The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here alongside James Anderson. James is on Twitter at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. Uh, James, you know, we didn't actually get a chance to watch a, a minor league game together this week. That's on me. I did go actually with Derek Van Riper, though, on, on Sunday to see... Uh, Cody Madero's with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, uh, and and you watched a game on your own. Which which minor league game did you pick out? Yeah, I watched uh, the uh, a game like specifically, uh, you know, went back and watched it on MILB TV. Uh, Byron Buxton went four for six in that game. It was Double uh, A Chattanooga against Double A Montgomery, and that was on uh, Monday. Um, you know, just kind of wanted to see what he was looking like. Uh, you know, obviously the, the number two fantasy prospect in baseball, probably the number one overall prospect in baseball, if you factor in defense and everything. So 
he's kind of gotten off to, you know, a, a little bit of a slow start. I mean, striking out, I think, around 30% of the time. But uh, he looked great in this game. Went four for six, like I said. Had a had a double, a triple. Uh, got caught stealing, actually, which you're not going to see very often. But uh, a lot of that was just because he was, he was gunned down by Justin O'Connor, who's uh, one of the better catchers in the minors defensively. Uh, you know, not... Maybe not quite on Austin Hedges' level, but he's got an 80 arm by a lot of accounts. So I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into Bucks and getting thrown out on that that stolen base attempt. But you know I was just watching him, you know, on the double and the triple, just crazy crazy speed out of the box. Mm-hmm. And once he kind of he's kind of one of those guys who it it's almost he picks up speed when he rounds first. You know, like his his first to third ability and this is kind of how Mike Trout is too where you know they can just go first to third on on almost anything and that that triple I I clocked him in at around nine seconds going from home to third which is which is pretty ridiculous um you know can't wait for this guy to get get up uh he was even his outs were you know hard hit balls to dead center uh, his power alley is is left center, and that's where that's where all his hits his hits were going. He did beat out one infield single, but um, you know the double triple to that left left center uh, part of the ballpark, and and that's where the majority of his home runs have come. So you know, excited to see this guy probably going to be in the minors for most of the season. Although you know he wasn't facing you know t- in this game he was up against Montgomery, wasn't facing a great arm. Uh, some of the pitches he was hitting were kind of grooved or, or hanging, hit a hanging curveball, I think, on that triple. So be nice to see him face uh, some better competition as the year goes, year goes on. Yeah, I really want to see this guy live sometime this year. I would hope to. Was had the, Thought I'd have the chance to in the Arizona Fall League, but he had uh, another injury. I think it was a, a hand or a finger, something like that, in the Fall League that forced him out right before he got there. Uh but really nice to see him get off to such a strong start after all the injuries, you know, kept him uh, pretty much off the field. Just 31 games in the minor leagues last season. Uh, but he also he has a home run already this year. It's really nice to see. And, uh, God, I'm excited about this guy. He's going to be great. And, uh, you know, moving forward, you know, I mentioned that we weren't able to watch a game. So we, you know, kind of reporting on, on separate games here. But moving forward, we're going to be watching a game every week. Uh, and really focusing on that, kind of the, the premise of the Prospect Podcast. We'll be doing that moving forward. Just didn't uh, really pan out uh, well, this week. And next week, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe you'll be able to, to on, on the computer, watch one of these games, but I'll be in uh, Arkansas for that series uh, Sunday, yeah, right. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday for that series against Frisco. So uh, a lot of the pod next week will just be kind of focused on kind of what I saw there but you know I'll, I mean there there's going to be probably you know at least one game where there's a solid pitcher on the mound maybe maybe you can watch that game and we can we can talk about that and compare notes but uh yeah that should be that should be pretty fun to kind of recount what uh what I saw there yeah I'm really excited to get your your takes on, on some of those guys uh Joey Gallo not sure if he's going to be in action um but hopefully he makes it back not really sure exactly his status right now but um, yeah, I mentioned I got to see uh, Brewers first round pick Cody Medeiros this weekend in his uh, you know full season debut really, and he looked outstanding. I mean, uh, 
seven. Uh, actually, let me confirm this. Yeah, I'm sorry. Six no hit innings, uh, one walk, seven Ks. I mean, not a not a really. I mean, he's six foot two, but he really slight frame, only 180 pounds right now, 18 years old, and I think he was only at you know 60 some pitches when they pulled him. So just uh, cruising, cruising. I mean, he was actually Derek and I commented at, at one point that you know, man, I don't think there's even been a ball hit out of the infield. Mm. It was just a ton of weak contact. A lot of missed bats, and you know the, the the balls that were hit on the ground were either you know sh- soft dribblers, dribblers right at, at short or second, and it was you know dominant. But then uh, Wisconsin ended up losing eleven to one, despite six no hit innings from Madero's. <laughs> the final three innings were hell to sit through. Uh, the bullpen run after run allowed, pitching change, pitching change. I seriously think the final three innings of that game took you know, an hour and a half to two hours. It was absolutely crazy, but I uh, got to love, you know, what you see from Madero's here off to a nice start. And, you know, a lot of people kind of thought that where he was drafted 12th overall really wasn't truly deserving of that, that spot. Uh, I think it was more so, you know, given, you know, the, the, the cost to sign him, I feel like they taking him there allowed them to get uh, Monty Harrison in the, in the second round. Are you on board with that reasoning? Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, some of that's kind of revisionist. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. remember it being that questionable of a, I mean, it wasn't, they weren't project. I mean, they took him ahead of, I think, Tuki Toussaint, uh, if I remember correctly. And that, that may have been a little questionable just at the time, but, you know, I think a lot of it was just Cody Madero struggling in, in rookie ball and people, you know, sort of jumping to conclusions about, you know, this is going to be a guy that is going to just be a real big project and maybe he's going to take take a ton of, you know, seasoning in the, in the lower levels. And I just don't think you can read that much into 17 innings in rookie ball. I mean, mm-hmm. he, his numbers weren't great, obviously. I mean, he was still missing a ton of bats, but, uh, you know, it'll be good to see what he does this year. And if he continues to kind of cruise like that uh, – you know, wouldn't be that surprising, really, to see him maybe maybe finish the year off in high A if he's just not getting tested. But what did you make of his his arm slot and his delivery in general? Did it did it remind you of anyone? Because I've I've kind of heard that that's um, kind of a, a distinct um, trait of his is that it's it's a you know rem- memorable uh, kind of delivery. Yeah, it was. You know, we didn't have an ideal viewing angle, to be completely honest. We were down the right field line. But as a lefty, you know, we were able to see the motion at least. We weren't really able to pick up the pitches as well. But um, the motion looked really fluid and really repeatable. I mean, one after another. The arm slot, I mean, I don't want to say Chris Sale because I don't really think I've that's... I've heard Bumgarner. Okay, I can see a... that. It is at a kind of a strange angle. I think that gives people some concerns that maybe, you know, the, the torque on, on that arm could could lead to some injuries in time but not a not a typical brewers starter uh, delivery they they like to have their guys throw over the top um, Mm -hmm. and there's been some talk that that's possibly been one of the reasons why they've been the best in baseball at avoiding tommy johns over the past uh half half decade or so but um i mean maderos definitely has among the pitchers in that system the 
the the best stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not. He's probably the furthest away as well of the, of the notable arms in that system. But um, he's got kind of number two level stuff. Whereas a lot of those other guys, Devin Williams um, and others, are, are more number threes and number fours. Really good control in this outing too for him. And that's the key. Really. Yeah, that's that's what you love to see. And yeah, it looked really you know poised. And as I mentioned, the you know, the mechanics on the mound looked really fluid, really repeatable, and it was great to see him just pump it in there, get a lot of weak contact and strikeouts. But mentioned Monty Harrison, I mean, was impressed from what I saw. He was batting leadoff for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers in this game. It didn't have a big game, but did get to see him on the base pass. Actually got gunned down late in the game, tried to steal, uh, you know, wanted to see him. He didn't get a, a great jump, but he, he's an exciting player. Jake Gatewood was down in the seven hole. When you're down in the seven hole and and you know in a low A game, that's kind of telling. And he he did struggle to make contact when he when he swung. But he actually drew a couple walks in this in that game, which was nice to see. Uh, but for uh, the Cardinals for Peoria in that game, Manuri Sierra. I mean this this kid looked impressive. He's only 19 years old. He actually made an amazing running catch. He actually cl- ran right into the wall head first and opened opened the outfield door. Um, it was pretty pretty sweet, and he also, you know, looked looked pretty good at the dish. Uh, did you you found a spot for him in your top two hundred? Am I right? Yeah, I'm trying to think um, <laughs> where I had him. I probably should know that off the top of my head. Um, I think it was kind of definitely in the in the second hundred. Uh, so that one probably in the one fifty to two hundred range, uh, mostly because of how far away he is. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it, uh, in that Cardinal system, I think I, I noted this when I was doing kind of the, you know, the organizational top tens. Their position players really are, n- are not of the high upside caliber except for Sierra. I mean, Sierra, if you're going to pick a guy of their, their position players that could maybe one day – you know, if everything clicks and everything works out, could maybe one day find their way into like you know top 100 or top 150 to start the year. It could be Sierra just because he's got you know the, the impressive speed. Um, I think there's there's some hope that he'll develop some pop uh, down the road, and he's shown a really good ability to make contact. He's not a not a swing and miss guy, which is which is great because that that allows that speed to really play up. I mean, we, you've got guys like, you know, we're seeing it right now at the big league level with guys like, uh, you know, Jordan Schaefer and and guys like, uh, you know, Michael Taylor even with the Nats just striking out a lot and not really allowing that speed to play up to its potential. Whereas you know, if you're Sierra and you're only striking out 15 20 percent of the time that'll allow you to beat out a lot of a lot of hits for for singles and then once you're on you can put that speed to work so yeah i mean definitely a guy that uh cardinals fans should be uh, excited about yeah overall not a great start for sierra this season i mean he's just three for 27 actually but he does have a triple three rbi six k's uh, it may take him a bit but he you know the raw tools definitely stood out you know in a low a game he, he definitely was a guy who you know along with harrison and uh and medeiros that stood out he just turned 19 too, yeah, exactly. so i mean obviously that's why that's why i didn't have him as you know top 150 or top 100 guys it's gonna be 
you know, slow and low for him for the, yeah. the next couple of years. And we've talked about how proximity factors into you know, your rankings and my my personal rankings in the Rotowire roundtable. I was looking at your rankings, though. Maderos and Sierra are actually back-to-back, 151-152 on the site, and I think that's kind of interesting. Both guys very young. Madero's still 18. Uh, Sierra just turned 19, as you mentioned. I think those guys are interesting. Uh, you know, going to be a f- fun year, I do think, you know, at least for low-A Wisconsin, I think there's, you know, talent to drive fans to the ballpark. I think you're right that Madero's, you know, may very well get bumped up to high A before the end of the year, but I think he spends most of the year, given his age, at low A. Well, we'll probably have a better feel for that in, you know, a month mm-hmm. or six weeks down the road because if if he has, you know, some road bumps, which I would expect, I don't expect all of his starts to be this this smooth, but, you know, if he has some some games where he definitely shows that there's stuff that needs to be worked on, then he could just spend the whole year at low A. I think the Brewers probably entered the season expecting him to spend the whole year at low A, but you know he could force their hand with some more outings like that. We'll have to get over there and see him maybe. Just a couple-hour drive uh, from here in Madison, Wisconsin. Cool, you know, exciting player. Really impressive in that outing, Medeiros, and a guy who you know is owned in our staff keeper league, uh, which is a 17-teamer, but somebody who even in, you know, 12 to, to 14, and what do you think about picking up in a dynasty? Well, I would just say that, you know, in our our league, there are Brewer fans in it, and mm-hmm. that's why he's owned, in my opinion. Um, sure. Also, I had him ranked in our top 200, which probably played a factor in that. But in other leagues, if you're like, there aren't Brewer fans in your league, and they're like 15, 17, even 20 teams, he might not be owned just because a lot of other sites were, were kind of down on him. And, you know, I'm in a 20-team dynasty league, an expert dynasty league, where he went way, way late in the, the reserve uh, draft that we had in the offseason, like, you know, behind guys, just, you know, behind tons of guys. I'm trying to think of a, a good name that he went behind, but um, – he should be available in in most dynasty leagues. So yeah, I mean, if you wanna if you want a guy to stash who who might sh- show up in the big leagues around 2018, 2019, he's a uh, definitely a good guy to have. Yeah, gonna be a, a long wait, but the the payoff could be significant uh, if you own Cody Maderos. Now we'll jump to, you know, we got some quick hitters to get through here uh, on the show. We'll jump through these relatively quickly, but I want to get your thoughts, James. Alex Meyer, the Twins, has struggled. Uh, mightily so far uh, this season. Um, you know, he's somebody that I, I think you've kind of been saying for a while that ticketed for the bullpen. And he actually, your opinion really kind of swayed me as far as you know, keeping him in a, in a keeper league that I inherited this year. You know, had, had six of ten minor league spots kind of accounted for. Didn't really want him taking up another one. So I, I threw him back and, you know, I think I caught some flack for that. But the way things are trending now, do you think that it it does indeed look like he's going to end up uh, in a relief role long term. You know, I think the Twins have to really start looking at that as as the move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's the thing is is he's twenty five. He's twenty five. So, and it's uh, it's clear at this point. I I think that he has a long way to go with his command to get to a point where he can be I mean he's got 11 walks through eight and two-thirds innings so far this year um and that's coming off a year where command control was 
the one thing that prevented him from joining the Twins rotation. So not showing any progress there. He was even his fastball was running a little lower in his last outing than it typically is. I think he was 92 to 94. You know, that either suggests there might be something wrong, uh, an injury, which would possibly make sense given given his lack of command, or it means that he was trying to dial it back to get better command and it still wasn't working. So either way, not good news there. Uh, you know, I'm, I tweeted out the other day that not only do I like Jose Barrios more than Alex Meyer, I actually think he probably debuts in the Twins rotation before Alex Meyer, meaning that maybe Alex Meyer beats him to the big leagues, but... Alex Meyer, if he beats him to the big leagues, is going to be as a reliever. Wow. And Jose Barrios at Double A, I think he went six and a third, one, one run, and uh, eleven Ks in his Ks. first outing. So one I mean, walk too. Yeah, he's he's the real deal. Um, Alex Meyer, I think if the Twins are smart, you just time to kind of get this guy to the big leagues, get him contributing in a role before you know an injury happens, and then. You know, what, what could be worse than a 25-year-old with huge command issues needing Tommy John, and Ugh, then he comes back, yeah. you know, and he's 26 and a half or something, and mm-hmm. you just you put him right in, the, right in the bullpen at that point? I mean, it's just it's kind of a tough situation. I know Twins fans are super excited about this guy one day being their ace, you know, but, you know, really, I mean, there's no shame in being a, a shutdown reliever, which I no. think a lot of people think he can be, especially in the bullpen. I mean, that stuff will play up. Uh, if he can get it, get that velocity back, I mean, he could be triple digits out of the pen. Um, I just think that, you know, at, at some point you got to kind of look at the overall package and say, you know, how good of a starter can he really be with this command profile? Yeah, I'm with you there, and it's – yeah, at his age now, it's looking like it's really trending that way, and I feel like, you know, dynasty owners have been holding on, maybe a bit disappointed, but you're right. He really could be a shutdown bullpen guy, and, of course, there's value there, but Barrios, man, really exciting. Still just 20 years old, but interesting that you think he could beat Meyer to the rotation. I, I could see it. I mean, he, he did have eight starts at A last year, even was bumped up to AAA to make a uh, start to end the season off to an outstanding start. Um, former first round pick, 32nd overall in, in 2012. Just six foot 185, but frontline potential. He's on that exact same uh, timetable as Buxton and Sano, mm-hmm. really, to get to the big leagues, which works out, works out perfectly for the Twins because that's when they want to start fielding a, a competitive team. So, you know, when Buxton and Sano are ready, I mean, there's no reason to hold Barrios down either. Yeah, I mean, we've talked on previous episodes of the podcast about, you know, Buxton and Sano coming up this year and, you know, kind of sparking that fan base. But um, considering the start they're off to, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> hard to imagine that, that they... Yeah, that's the thing. Is like yeah. They're not coming up before September. I, I just don't see any reason for that to be the case. Looking at your rankings here, you got Jose Barrios 36th overall in your ranks. Aggressive, but I, I really like it ahead of... Henry Owens, Jesse Winker, J.P. Crawford. I mean, that that just speaks to you know the upside he has. Did I did I ever tell you that I pulled a, a Barrios auto from a box of Bowman really? a couple of years ago? Yeah, that's a hold on to that one. Yeah, I gotta gotta keep that. Gotta maybe do a box break on the pod sometime. I know we've we talked keep about talking that. about that. We got it. We got to do. What do you think is gonna happen ahead. first? A box break on the pod or a a song intro for the pod? <laughs> Hope to God it's a song. <laughs> We're usually not this this procrastination prone. Um, That's the thing. We've had high hopes, song, though. 
Yeah, our hopes standards. are too high. Yeah. I need to like lower my standards to like my my dating standards. Get them down there. <laughs> get them down there, and then we'll we'll get a song up in no, in yes. no time. <laughs> we'll have one by next week. <laughs> um, if, uh, and if I implement mine, my dating standards as well. We might no, have I, one. Uh, we might have one mid show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll take what I can get at this point. Um, but yeah, we've had you know we wanted Gangstar a Gangstar song. Yeah. Cameron Round reached out to their. Um, Representatives. They're representatives, and you know, just flat out, you, you have to. Pay I need for to it. like run into them at a club or something. You know, <laughs> that's <up>. the dream. <laughs> let's uh, let's get uh, your thoughts here on Yasmani Tomas James. I mean, this was this shocked me just in that, you know, they brought him up, and then the news broke. Uh, I think it was Steve Gilbert, MLB.com, really, you know, made it clear that Tomas brought him up to be a bench bat. I mean, he wasn't in the lineup Wednesday when they brought him up. Uh, it does look like, you know, they have a ton of outfield depth. Of course, David Peralta, Ender Inciarte, A.J. Pollock, Mark Trumbo. Uh, Going to be hard to find find at bats for him. You know, for a 24-year-old kid, you'd really think every day at bats would be something he needed. Uh, but but what does this move really, uh, you know, imply or suggest to you? It suggests that the Diamondbacks, for whatever reason, are – trying to win this year and they're they're putting that like they're putting having tomas as a bench bat over developing him as a player and that just doesn't make sense to me really i mean i know that he's on the 40 man so that kind of makes things easy for them to kind of get a guy up there without having to you know do something that they're not ready to do with another player but uh you know he's gonna play like the they have guys it's not like you know they have four outfielders already who are legitimate and they have this kind of uh, rotating musical chairs in the infield right now where lamb plays against uh righties and then aaron hill goes over to third and then nick ahmed goes to the short and chris owings goes to second i mean they they have you know the pieces to kind of make it work right now so i mean maybe and I saw some tweets from other D-backs writers that he's going to get some looks at third base against lefties. So Really? Like, I thought I mean, they were scrapping that, like, that experiment. That's, that's the thing is they scrapped it by having him play outfield in the minors, <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, yeah we'll you, might get, you might get an occasional start against lefties playing third base. Like, you well, you totally <laughs> floundered at third <laughs> like, in what, spring what training. What are you doing? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's very, very bizarre. Um I'd like think to, it's I'd like to pull the Diamondbacks brass and be like, who here still likes the idea of signing Yasmani Tomas? To <laughs> a six years, $68.5 million deal. Yeah, I bet they wish they could have a do-over on that one. Do you think it was kind of the ownership that, that forced it, being like, hey, we got this this guy signed up. You know, We can't have him sitting in the minors, whereas a team see, like, like the Red Sox can't afford to do that. Like, why would you even let him go down in the first place then? Mm -hmm. If it was, like, ownership, I would have thought ownership would just say, this guy's on the opening day roster. I mean, I can't imagine ownership being like, all right, th that guy that's struggling in the minors that we're paying all that money to, we need him up here. Like That's true. You know, I don't know. It's weird. but uh, Yeah, four for 21 start at Reno before the promotion. He did have a double and a homer, but head scratcher. Um, so not – I mean, like, what type of league are you rostering in, him in? <laughs> uh, that's the thing. Probably like, not any. I like, mean, 
maybe in my NL only head-to-head where I can kind of punt average and, you know, maybe have him plug him in on days with, you know, daily roster moves, plug him, you know, if he's getting a spot start, throw him in there. I don't know. The ideal spot to own Tomas is a NL only dynasty league, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is kind of crazy. We talk a lot about how awesome it is to draft in like February because you get the bargains on all the, you know, Chris Bryant's and Matt Harvey's of the world, but you also would have seen Yasmani Tomas getting drafted in like the 150 range probably. So yeah, that would just really stink. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts though. I mean, we're by the time you're listening to this podcast, Chris Bryant actually might already be called up, but I wanted yeah. to get your prediction on the exact day that he gets called up here. You know, I think we, I think Derek and I talked about it recently, but you know, the, there's no reason to put on a charade here and <laughs> pretend like, <laughs> pretend like, Oh, you know, you know, let's delay him a few more days to make it look like, you know, we weren't just, yeah. just being blatant about this, the, uh, you know, your control. I think he's up tomorrow. I mean, there's, I mean, what's, and, what's the point? And especially given that, you know, they're, they're getting little production at third base right now. I think he comes up very uh, tomorrow and, and makes a big impact right off the bat. And Neil Ramirez is probably ticketed for the DL, which is just a perfect kind of opens up, a, know, spot, opens up yeah. a spot right away. So um, I'm with you. I think, you know, Friday is the first day they can do it. I think Friday is the day they do it to home opens a home series against the Padres. I mean, what better way to kind of, bring Brian up then mm-hmm. you know a homestand uh, weekend homestand probably sell out all those games uh, just generate a ton of buzz um, makes makes too much sense did you end up with any shares of Brian I know the price was creeping up high I, I, I honestly think he could be like a top 20 player I this year but I wasn't you know I was hesitant to pay I think the price crept up at a couple auctions 28 27 28 type dollars a bit too high, but did I, you end up with any shares? I own him in my longest standing league. That's a it's a ten team, uh, ten keeper league. Um, so I've I actually drafted him in that league last year, and I've been rostering him ever since. Um, nice. And then I pushed the price up on him. I was it was me and Kevin O'Brien in the stake league bidding on him. I pushed it to twenty nine, and he went thirty. So that was oh wow, well, it, it got me. that high. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's. I'm kind of with you. I I don't. I wouldn't predict that he's a top twenty guy. I'd, I would predict he's a top fifty guy though, and I definitely would not be surprised if he was a top twenty guy. So, mm-hmm. uh, should be pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely excited, and I think, you know, th- I'm going to be watching that game tomorrow. I, even when my Reds are playing, I, I want to see Chris Bryant if he is indeed called up. But hopefully they don't. You know that th- there's no mistake about it as to why he was kept down to start the year. I mean, you can say whatever you want. They won't say so explicitly, uh, but it's it's very clear. And the, the players agreed to this. I mean, also, it's, there's no real reason to be put up a front about it. I think it's funny that, like, the reporters, like, ask Joe Madden, <laughs> and they're like, you know, do you, do you know which day he's coming up? And he has to just be like, nope, I don't know. <laughs> like, because yeah. if you say yes, then, then it's – then you're admit then that's when, like, a grievance could actually be yeah. won. But as long as you just keep saying, nope, we're, you know, development, you know, um, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. You have to do it. But at the same time, everybody knows the reason why. And it it sucks that you do have to kind of skid around it. Madden does and the team does. But 
it's the way of the business right now, and you know maybe in the next CBA they can get this kind of figured out. But you know, one more qu- last thing on Tomas, we were talking, you know, and both of us seem to be on the same page. But uh, I was talking yesterday on the Fantasy Baseball podcast with Jake Latarski. He he thinks there's a lot of upside there, worth rostering in really all formats. I'm not uh, on that board, but do you think that possibly this him coming up is a precursor to some sort of outfield trade for them? Uh, you know, it could be, but I don't think, I mean, I don't know why you would do the call up before the trade. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they could get, I'm guessing a, a pretty decent haul. I actually think the guy they could probably get the most for is Ender and Ciarte, hmm. uh, just because of how good he is defensively. And, and team and control too, quite a bit. Teams, teams love, you know, outfielders that. Like, he hits enough. Like, he's kind of, you know, Juan Ligaris light where, you know, he can he can offer a lot on both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, I think they'd if they're smart, I think they'd like to trade Trumbo. I don't know if they would get many takers on that deal. Um, I don't think they'd get a ton of interest on David Peralta. <coughs> uh, excuse me. Uh, maybe, maybe A.J. Pollock, too. But, you know, then you're kind of – I, I don't know. I, I don't really think so. I don't I don't give the Diamondbacks that much credit on this front. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I feel like you're right. You, you would want to do that deal before you actually brought uh, Tomas up. I feel like they could get something for uh, Inciarte just given, yeah, you're right, you're a versatile player, under team control for a while. But, yeah, I don't know what this team is thinking. But in the meantime, I, I, I disagree with Jake in that, you know, 10-teamers – uh, even 12-teamers, mixers, I, I, maybe even 15. I'd probably just leave Tomas B for now. Uh, if he works into, his, into playing time, it could be decent, but uh, I It's don't know. a double-edged sword because it's not it's not like a Rusnay-Castillo thing where mm-hmm. you're worried about the production. With Castillo, you're just worried about the health and the playing time. But mm-hmm. with Tomas, you're worried about everything. So Very true. Well, sticking with the Diamondbacks, though, Archie Bradley, really impressive in his debut, uh, beating Clayton Kershaw in that outing, was really working at a fast pace and stuck stuck with him for a long time. You know, allowed him to go, was it over 120 pitches? I forget exactly how many, but it was near that many pitches uh, in that outing. Uh, got, a, got a pretty favorable matchup, really. It's, it's on the road, but in San Francisco – like it's a team that's struggling to score runs right now. What are your expectations for tonight? I'm optimistic. Uh, he was really kind of a, a bulldog out there on the mound against the Dodgers. I mean, just really just kind of, I don't know. I mean, just, he just kind of had a, a combination of swag and just <laughs> desire and like, you know, he was like sweating and just, just wanting, you know, grabbing the ball back on those throws from the catcher and just getting to work and I mean it was just just really great to watch um Mm -hmm. you could kind of almost just tell by the way he was pitching that he was just so relieved and excited for this moment to actually be finally happening you know I mean he was the number one prospect uh pitching prospect in baseball by a lot of uh, by a lot of people's measuring uh going into last year then he struggles and everything so you know I think he probably anticipated this day coming a lot sooner than it did but you know, it's fun to see him out there. His family was in the stands and everything. Uh, this is a better matchup for him. I mean, he's got the Giants in San Francisco. That lineup 
uh, shouldn't be scaring anyone right now. So, you know, I, I could see rolling with him in, in a daily league and, you know, at this point he should be owned everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm expecting uh, another solid outing. Yeah. Who's working at such a quick pace. You snatch that ball back and just right back, ready to toss. And I think you're right. Relieved not only to have that moment there, but also to make it through the first several innings without any damage, uh, missing bats. It was an impressive outing for sure. And he was actually he, my top DraftKings play for tonight. His, if I remember right, his best best pitch of the night was uh, was a curveball that got uh, Adrian Gonzalez uh, swinging. And Gonzalez at that point, I think, was the, the you know the hottest hitter in baseball. So I mean, definitely mm-hmm. very impressive. Absolutely. It was working, you know, average 92.4 miles per hour uh, on the fastball, but complemented that with, you know, the curveball 22% of the time. I mean, uh, the swinging strike rate, just 10.7%, uh, but the ground ball rate was up at over 66%. Yep, in that keeping outing. it down. And mm-hmm. then, the, you know, that fastball, you know, 92, but was moving a lot, a lot of movement on it. So. Well, we'll do some really quick hitters here. Just you know, a couple words on your thoughts on some of these guys before we grade out our next pro wrestler. I'm going to do Rick Rude, uh, one of my all-time faves today. But you mentioned Rusne Castillo. Dealing with shoulder inflammation, he was in Boston uh, for an exam. No structural damage, but inflammation. Going to be shut down for a couple weeks at least. Uh, no specific timetable, though. You know, Is this one where you have to swallow swallow the your pride and bite the bullet and drop him and in, in, you know 15 team mixers uh shoot uh you know 15 team that's kind of right on the edge i would say yes to dropping him in non-keeper 10 and 12 teamers but i'd probably hold on to him in a 15 teamer yeah don't know where he's gonna play i mean shane victorino I do think that eventually, you know, he's going to get hurt and open up playing time for Castillo, but he's looking pretty spry in right field right now. And they also have Daniel Nava, uh, Alan Craig. They got depth out there, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, especially I was really high on Rusne coming into the year. Hard to know when he's going to be up, especially with this further delaying his return to the majors. Uh, Manny Banuelos, uh, pretty solid in his debut, or in well, through two starts, at Triple A, um, of course, acquired from the Yankees in the off season, uh, arriving to Atlanta. Now the back of the the rotation there, Trevor Cahill's struggled in his debut. Eric Stoltz has, has been bad. <laughs> Eric Stoltz is Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Eric Stoltz is Eric Stoltz. Surprised Stanton didn't club him for like three homers. Yeah, the other day, I. So, I mean, I just have this kind of gut feeling on Benuelos getting the call here pretty soon. Um, Obviously, you know, the first start, I think he went like three and a third or three and two thirds, then went five innings second time around. You know, numbers are really solid. I don't really see any reason to not just bring him on up. I mean, you got those guys you both mentioned. I mean, we kind of know what they are at this point. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if you see Van Wales in the next month or so. Now, my Reds, they sent down Rysel Iglesias after he served as the fifth starter uh, Sunday. Looks like, you know, Homer Bailey on the verge of returning the back end of the Reds bullpen has been abysmal, aside from, uh, of course, Araldis Chapman. Really, I mean, Kevin Gregg, Jumbo Diaz has had issues as well. Uh, Tony Singrani hasn't been great as, as, you know, a top lefty option for them. When when Iglesias returns, do you think 
think it'll be as a starter? Do you think maybe they move him to the bullpen and get him back up pretty pretty soon here? Uh, I think that they will probably get him back in that rotation. Um, in place of Marquis? Marquis I, to actually, the win? I, honestly, I think he stays down for a while. So, okay. um, you know, in that sense, I think it, it just it doesn't make that much sense. By the time... You know, it's a nice. The Reds are a nice little story right now. Um, by the time I think that they're ready to call him up, it might not make a ton of sense to do so if it's for a bullpen role. So, um, I think it might just be. I mean, I'd be willing to cut bait with Iglesias in pretty much all single season formats right now. A nice little story. That's <laughs> not underhanded at all. <laughs> no, I totally hear you. And I think the thing that's frustrating as a Reds fan is that. You know, they're holding on to all these guys. They got Cueto in a in a contract year, holding on to him, really wanting to compete and you know, and um you know, make a run for it on the I year they host the All Star game. I no, shouldn't I'm have kidding. Said that. No, I'm I kidding. mean they're they're playing so much better than my brewers right now, so that's really kinda true. But I mean they've <laughs> almost I mean Brian Price is, has tried to give away a couple games that they've somehow pulled out, but it I just find it frustrating that they're going for it, but yet they want to keep guys like Mike Lorenz and Iglesias down. I get it, but these guys are are pretty young, and they can get them back stretched out. I mean, I know it didn't work out that way with Aroldis Chapman. He, you know, settled into that bullpen role, and they tried to get him stretched out later, and it didn't really work. But Lorenzen, I feel like, is a guy who would be a perfect fit in that bullpen right now. Iglesias, too, would be a a great setup guy, but we'll see how, how it goes. Now, one guy who's getting some playing time for the Marlins, kind of surprisingly, JT Realmuto, the realist. <laughs> uh, second straight start at behind the plate on Thursday. I mean, is is he somebody you're, you're targeting? Do you think he has a realistic chance to maybe, you know, start to squeeze out, uh, carve out more of a role there? I think he's going to play about, you know, half the time going forward here, but uh, probably not a – I mean, there's, there's leagues where he should be on. I mean, two-catcher – 15 teamers, two catcher, 12 teamers. He should probably be owned. Um, you know, he could be a, a cheap daily start if you're if you're playing DFS, but in you know you just just your standard 12, 14 teamers. I think you can leave him alone. Again, next week's episode uh, will be primarily focused on what uh, James you're going to see this weekend in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, they're playing Frisco. I really hope uh, you enjoy it. Excited to hear about it, yeah. man. Nomar Mazzara, Jorge Alfaro, Nick Williams, uh, uh, Jake Jake Thompson, um, Miguel Almonte, uh, Hunter Dozier, uh, Raul Mondesi. I mean, lots lots of people are going to be there. So wow, that's that's a list, Brandon man. Finnegan. That's a hell of a list. And you kind of picked this this match about a while ago you you saw it coming and you had a nice article on the site recently just pointing out you know the the top top minor league teams and where you can see them this year so uh, check that out on the site what was that uh, farm futures called exactly do you remember uh man you know i i'm sure i titled it with a with a bad headline and then uh <laughs> my great an- editor andrew laird changed it to a to a decent headline C- yeah. catching tomorrow's stars yeah. i think okay yeah I, i'd put a i'd put like a 30 on my headline <laughs> writing and i'd put maybe like a 60 65 on andrews so nice well yeah if you need to if you want to check that out and don't have a rotowire subscription you can get 10 days for free on us no strings attached go to rotowire.com slash pod it's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. James going to grade out another wrestler. 
enjoy this every every week. This was a good call by you because we were we were we kind of did this. We picked this last minute basically, but uh, I'm really glad that we went with uh, who we went with. Yeah, it's it's a guy who is. I mean, rest in peace, ravishing Rick Rude, one of the all-time greats. I still remember being shocked the night that he showed up on Monday Night Raw and Nitro in the same night. Uh, Raw was taped, and Nitro was live, and it was just a shocker. But his heyday was actually well before that. He was done in the ring by that point. Uh, the in-ring ring career for Rick Rude was outstanding. Uh, for As far as look goes, I mean, not the super jacked guy but as far as chiseled goes for rick rude we're talking uh among the elite here i mean like if you just as like a guy like if you're just you know your average joe listen to this podcast the body that you'd want of any wrestler <laughs> would be that of rick rude mm-hmm. yeah i think that was it's, it's part of the the heat that he drew from the crowd is like the, every guy wanted to look like that yeah it's it's uh you know, it's it's a body that that actualizes in in everyday life. I mean, you you can you can go up to any woman and and they're gonna be okay with that body. I mean, the the big the you know the Hulk Hogan type of frame that'll scare some some of the ladies away. But you know, Rick Rude Rick Rude could could have his cake and eat it too. And then he had that porn star mustache. Yeah, I mean, he the thing is, is he really kind of belonged in porn like. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, that was I pretty much his like, gimmick. I almost feel like he would have been a bigger star had he just been in porn <laughs> instead. <laughs> I think you're probably right, but I think that was also, you know, really they couldn't really say that uh, on you know WWE programming WWF at the time. But I think that was pretty much his thing. It his just, gimmick it was, was being a porn sex. star. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was, it was with his whole uh, routine with the you know the robe and. Mm-hmm. You know the having his his face on his on his uh, shorts and you know his just talking to to women in the crowd, um, talking to uh, Jake the Snake's wife that one time. You know off, you know he mm-hmm. scouring the crowd looking for a woman to give a rude awakening to. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think he that. he was calling he was calling uh, Jake the Snake's wife honey cakes. <laughs> Which is which is a, a nice so way to insulting. <laughs> a nice nice way to address a woman. Great feud there. I I wish I could. I might actually have to look and see when when they fought at a pay per view and go back and watch some of that. Uh, easy eighty look for both of us. Yeah. Entrance. I got a sixty five here. You know, I'm kind of regretting not gump, bumping a little higher. As you mentioned, we kind of threw these grades in last minute, but uh, sixty five liked the entrance music. Thought it suited him well. And I liked the fact that when he came in and he did the robe thing and he would just insult the crowd and get them really riled up, showed him what a real man looked like. And that was a great, great thing. But there was nothing uh, that stood out too much aside from, you know, the entrance and him talking did. But overall, it wasn't one of the most memorable entrances of all time. Yeah, it was um, just very, very fitting for him. did you you know what one of his he had a he had a few entrance songs one of them uh the name of the song is just the stripper <laughs> which which is a solid solid name for a song it is you got it at 70 i like it i when he would strut down the aisle with bobby the brain heenan i mean that was great i i should have bumped it up to a 70 but i'll stick with the 65 for now still a great great i mean mm-hmm. uh plus 
plus tool there for him. A signature move. Uh, you, you mentioned it earlier, uh, kind of in passing, but the Root Awakening, great neck breaker, and how he did it was outstanding. I got it at 75. Very um, kind of laissez-faire, you know, just, just, <laughs> just kind of oozing swag while mm-hmm. he's doing it, you know, just kind of uh, kind of the wrestling equivalent of like a behind-the-back pass or, you know, a no-look pass, just kind of, you know, just ca- like casually going into it. Yeah, and he'd sometimes do the uh, hip gyrations before <laughs> dropping them on their neck. And classic move. I wish you know Rude should have been a main event type of guy. He, he really didn't get that run in the WWE, but he was in WCW for a while, and I, he really I, had it all. I uh, I don't know if I approve with how they went about choosing their main event guys, but um. <laughs> he did have a run with Warrior, I think, in the main event, but it was pretty short lived. I don't know. I, I thought. Rude. I mean, he he was a pretty big star, but he just wasn't pushing for the the world championship really all that often. Command of the crowd. I mean, we talked about how he generated heat. One of the most hated wrestlers at that time. What do you got here? As as you said, uh, off air. You know, really impressive heel profile. Uh, <laughs> you know, just really good at kind of. You know, hitting hitting you where it hurts uh, with his words, and you know, kind of having having the look to back it up, and then you know, he could handle the mic. Um, yeah, you good know, his, stick. Man. His, his gyrations that which you which you referred to, um, just kind of get getting the people going. I guess you could say. Um, yeah, definitely. No, no problem getting the attention of of the audience. You know, we talked about. One of the all-time great ring psychologists in Jake the Snake last week, and you you mentioned him earlier, but, I mean, Rick Rude's ring psychology was amazing, too. I mean, he uh, really could, I mean, elite heel profile, but a lot of it, too, was not only the words and the cockiness, but also the tights. I mean, he, how cocky do you have to be to spray paint your own face on your tights? And he even, I mean, this was shocking at the time and really kind of looking back pretty pretty uh, controversial really is you know he airbrushed jake the snake's wife on his tights um i mean that sparked the feud sparked the fire that ignited that feud uh really was was a ballsy move yeah i mean he he would refer to himself on the microphone as the sexiest man alive (laughs) which is just the height of arrogance the height Mm. the height of being a heel and, and he embodied it so well I still remember I f- it was at a WrestleMania, I think, but and they were in Kansas or in uh, Atlantic City. Referred to everybody as uh, Kansas City or uh, Atlantic City sweat hogs, and I just remember <laughs> thinking that was kind of brilliant. But final grade here, ring presence. I got a sixty-five. Kind of hard to gauge. I mean, just because he wasn't super huge and imposing, but gifted in the ring. I got a sixty-five. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, it's. You know that that wasn't what you came to see when you came to see Rick Rude was mm-hmm. his his tactical maneuverings in the ring. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I put a sixty on it. Uh, still plus. Um, mm-hmm. Nope, no, no, none of these grades were below plus. But uh, that was that was his lowest mark in my in my book. Same here. I mean, it tied for my lowest mark, uh, but sixty five still a very good grade. And overall, seventy for me. You got the seventy there. I was looking back at some of our other grades for the top guys that we've done and you know rest in peace too to ultimate warrior really 
obviously an icon. But I think it's interesting that among Mr. Perfect, Ultimate Warrior, The Undertaker, Jake Roberts, and Rick Rude, Warrior actually was my lowest grade overall at 65. Kind of hard to believe uh, for me, but I guess well, I'll stick stick by. You're uh, you're you're partial to to good stick, man. Yeah, yeah, and the heels too. Yeah, Mr. Perfect was one of my all-time faves, but I'm uh, partial to the guys who I can tell are on drugs during the fight, <laughs> and that's what Ultimate Warrior brought to the table. <laughs> Most definitely, <laughs> and in his interviews when he told Hulk Hogan he was going to hijack his plane and, and crash it <laughs> on the way to WrestleMania six. Uh, crazy guy. But James, have fun in Northwest Arkansas. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Thank you for listening. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.